what is happening? Welcome to the On the Corner podcast, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Nick Pollock, joined by the very indecisive and nervous Eric Samolsky. It's a nerve-wracking kind of night, Nick. I know. I know. And uh, why why is Nick hosting right now, you must be asking? Well, it's that special day of the year where <laughs> my rankings, who cares? It's about Eric. Because he made a top 100 starting pitching ranking. As next week, we are going to start the process of going over my top 300. Uh, concerning that we have the PLX launch. It was PL8 last year. We skipped 9. We go straight to 10. Can't wait for that. All the rankings are coming out. All the stuff. The updated projections. The live draft assistance tool version 2 gets launched. Which I'm so excited about. Uh, new player pages. All this amazing stuff. And of course, we just had PitchCon. where. Eric Smolski did a wonderful job doing ADP battles with starting pitchers. And uh, yeah, did you have fun for PitchCon? I did. It was a great time. I, I had like that. Um, I, a lot of things in my life right now give me anxiety, apparently. But it was just like seeing all of the like the panels and being like at work and being like, can't watch that. Can't watch. But like, I want to watch. I want to listen. I want to listen. And I know they are now available or will soon be available on the YouTube channel. That's right. Um, which is great because I can go back and, and watch and listen. Uh, but yeah, there just seemed like there was tons of really cool content. I dropped in on a few of them um, and really enjoyed it. Loved hosting. Uh, loved chatting um, with David and Scott. Had a really good time. So it's just like it's... Uh, yeah, it was cool to be a part of it. Um, really also like given there's just been a lot of you know, fantasy baseball drama on the timeline oh, of yeah. late. So it was just yeah. cool that everybody came together. We raised a lot of money um, and we were just talking baseball, raising money for good causes and having a good time. And it was, uh, it was much needed. Yeah, no, it was uh, five days. We raised $15,000 for ALS research, all of it going to charity. I cannot be more just, uh, you know, uh, <sighs> What's the word I'm looking for? Just overwhelmed yeah. um, with with how successful it was. Can't thank you all so much for showing up and watching and engaging and donating and being a part of it. And just such a cool thing that this fantasy baseball community is able to do. So it's only a product of everybody else. So thank you all so much for being a part of it. Yeah, I can't believe uh, I talked to Cole Reagan's guys. <laughs> yeah, I actually well, I sat down. And talk to Cole Reagan's. I did the same I'm glad thing. You I did with the shirt, and, though. And Lopez. I, I know. And I hid the shirt the entire time. The entire chat knew that blue shirt was Cole Reagan's underneath. Cole Reagan's didn't know. Uh, and in the last moment, I revealed it and uh, I sent him uh, one of those shirts. I actually, I don't think he noticed. I was holding my Cole Reagan's mug the entire time, mm-hmm. but I was holding it like with my full hand. So I couldn't really make out that it was Reagan's. <laughs> but the entire chat was, knew the whole time that I was drinking out the Reagan's mug and he didn't know. But that was really fun. Really, some great insights from him and just his approach and what he's doing, and uh, so much fun. Really, it was an hour-long conversation. Yeah, I talked to Passan. I can't believe that one. Uh, I talked yeah. to wow. the John Boy and Mark Luino um, about creating a baseball website. Had a, a fireside chat with Spore. First episode of the Craft with Eno Saris. It's going to be on the uh, the Fancy Channel for for the network. This uh, this um, this feed. But then it will be on its own baseball fee moving forward. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to that one uh, when that is out. That was, that was the yeah. one I had the biggest FOMO about. 
Oh, the Eno like, podcast? I wanted to listen to it. I wanted to be on it. I wanted to... It was just <laughs> like everything about the the topic and you guys talking about it. I was like, this is the one. Um, but I think it was like at 6 or 7 on a Friday. Yeah, it was, it it was, was 6 you know, p.m. It was like... Um, it's funny. Time, I didn't know what time, days it was. You know? Days didn't matter. Yeah. They're all the same. It was me sure. working from 11 p.m. a.m. to actually 10 uh-huh. a.m. on Saturday till 10 p.m. Uh, but uh, by the way, I was proud of you. I told you afterwards. Watching you do that starting pitching pitchers panel. There's a lot of times I watch panels and I just sit there like, oh, they're not mentioning this point and they're going this direction that I just don't really agree with or whatever it is. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And watching that one, I was like, Eric is saying everything that I would in this situation. And even sometimes before, like I couldn't think of the the right return I knew it was in there. And then you said the thing. I'm like, exactly right. Well, you and brainwashed like, me. Oh, you look at this guy. <laughs> I'm just so happy. I, can't, I couldn't be luckier to have him as my my co-host of On the Corner. So thank you so much, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. It was it was fun. And uh, obviously, it uh, warmed my heart to get that message from you. Now, guess what? I'm going to tear you apart. <laughs> I know. It's like, <laughs> now let's rip it all to shreds. Yeah. No. Okay. So what we're going to do uh, is we are going to go through this 1 through 100. I'm going to try and do it in groups of 10. There are no tiers because I can't possibly force Eric to give the names that I do every week, which I understand my internal struggle. So I'm not going to put that. I also don't, I also don't yet have tears. Oh Um, man. And I I have tears looking at this list of how much I'm crying, laughing. I should say to the people, um, there, there's yet to be an article published. Uh, so as we talk through these, I don't have like a full written article to reference. So it will be, um, some, it's very free flowing off the cuff analysis and um, some, just my general thoughts on these, Players this is, this is the life. This is what we do. Yeah. And I'll be coming out early too. When is there'll be an article out? coming out later this week, though? Uh, oh, okay. On the world, thanks oh, to you, you making me do this exercise. So there will awesome. be an article with with written uh, evidence when I can collect my thoughts <laughs> and dry my tears, and you know, make all the changes that Nick forces me to make. You know, there's a uh, for whatever reason, my my friends growing up, anytime someone had evidence, we had to say detention after because it was just like <laughs> someone would give detention. For like finding evidence of wrongdoing. Oh, you go, yeah. Evidence! Detention! So I'm looking forward to that inside of the article. But yeah, check it out. Of course, Eric Smolsky's great work at Roto World. Um, and all right, we're going to do chunks of 10. And I'm not going to hold you to many of these. I'm going to try. I know we often say this, but I really do mean it. I don't really care much about the top 20 or mm-hmm. 30. I kind of know who's there. Yeah. I don't really know your top 50 to 100. Like that's mm-hmm. the interesting stuff to me. Um, so I'm going to go through this here. One through ten, it's Garrett Cole, Spencer Strider, Zach Wheeler, Corin Burns. Already, yeah, sure, get this. Luis Castillo, Pablo Lopez. A little surprise at Castillo over Pablo Lopez. I imagine it's the volume and the consistency, and that's really it, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. a little, just a, I feel a little safer. Yeah, uh, Kevin Gosman's at seven, and Tyler Glasnow's at eight. That's the one I think is interesting. Eight, but if you guys listen to me and Eric talk about Glasnow for the past like four months, you know that Eric's very much in on chasing that ceiling. Of glass down and then the replacement in a 12 teamer. So yes, I get I, that one. And I will say it makes me uncomfortable. Like yeah. I, I see him at eight and I'm I keep thinking it's too high because even on a good year, I think you're maybe getting 130 innings. I mean, like, he, hasn't I would, had, he hasn't had 130 innings in a right, year yet. No, that's what I'm right. saying. Like I don't feel comfortable even in a quote unquote breakout to say that you're gonna get more than that. And so yeah. it makes me uncomfortable. But then I look at the people that are after him. And I have similar levels of discomfort. And this is where mm. you get to that weird range where I'm like, okay, if I get 120 from Glass now and they're like elite innings, 
then maybe at this point I just feel better about taking that. Um, and who knows? As the spring goes on, I might, I might, or spring actually starts because it hasn't sure. gone on yet. Um, I might feel better about some of the people ranked beneath him to to leapfrog him. But at this point right now, like every time I want to move him down, I just get gun shy and keep him there for now. Yeah, sure. Uh, there's also George Kirby and Max Fried at nine and ten. And I'm actually really against Max Fried considering the the talk I had with Steven Lyman um, during PitchCon, which is uh, pretty much this, just the injury panel. And uh, yeah, him talking about Max Fried was like, yeah, he had a forearm strain. And those are not like, those rarely disappear and are okay. Um, and I'm like, oh, dang. And so did Carl Swedon. And I'm like, oh, can God. you can you film me? Because I didn't listen to I I obviously listened to the end of that one because it yeah. was on before we came on. Um, but I didn't hear you guys talk about Max Fried. Considering the injury at the end of the year was the blister. It was a blister, right? Why is he? Why was he? Well, it's more that like it will heal in the it'll be okay in the short term. It's like one of those things you get a forearm strain, you come back. It's not like all of a sudden yeah. you're done. It's often like that is a tear, and it's rare for that tear to be fully healed again. Like everything's fine. That's a tear that's going to show itself at some point. Um, Interesting. I understand that. And that makes a lot of sense to me. So that has a ding of risk more so than others. And I'm, I'm personally seeing in my ranks, I'm, I'm going to be a little weird where like, I'm going to be higher on Logan Webb than I expected. Um, But I am starting to really value like, yeah, I know that you're going to be really good and it's not SP one, but it's like, you are really good. And Considering that tweet I put out of 15 of the 31 starters. Um, and as long as we can avoid as many injury dings we can, like that's better um, for us. So like Lasnow and Freed are going to be lower for me. Um, when, but that's it. When we started this in October, when you and I was so high on when you three do 300, but I had yeah. Logan Webb at 11. Yeah. Um, and I and moved I pushed him you down. That, right. You, you pushed me off of it a little bit. Um, I moved him down. And now you're saying you're going to be high on Logan Webb, and then Eno put out his rankings today, and he no wait, I don't want to know. Don't say it. Don't say it. He has Logan Webb high. I'll just say that. And I was like, oh, maybe like maybe my thought process of it's going to be safe innings and good ratios, and as you pointed out, the strikeout rate might not be super high, but the strikeout totals will be fine because he's probably going to pitch a decent amount of innings. But then I'm like, but nobody's safe. So if he only pitches 160 because he gets hurt, like, is that... So that's where I go back and forth. But but yeah, yeah I mean, that's, I think a good, that, that's an interesting that, argument about it being like, what we think of what workload is, it's yeah. not. Uh, it's not as guaranteed as we think it is. Thus, if you think of it like... 160 versus 130 or something that that makes more sense but i'm still gonna say like yeah we have to give more weight we don't we can't really expect 160 from logan webb i so i think i'm gonna give it what you just said about your chat um and the injury concerns i had assumed that because he had continued pitching and you know he had been good for 100 freed had been good for 165 innings basically every year up until yeah, right, this right. one so i was like okay if we pin, if we pencil him in for 160 then i still feel good about him 10th uh but oh, i'll, go but back I'll and, say this how about this skills wise do we expect more out of yamamoto or max freed so i mean right? so many people say yamamoto but it's just hard for me without having ever like, i know 
really seen it and maybe i need to you know what maybe that's a flaw in my process like i need to go back and watch at least like the wbc innings i've watched clips obviously but like try to go back and find the games and like watch the full start um but i could say right off the top of my head like you're gonna keep listing but i could see bumping free down past like the next four maybe five names on the list if Mm -hmm. there's some Sure. elevated concern about so, the forearm and i'm going to go back and check out that podcast or that episode on yeah, the youtube channel i got a you know i was actually just talking to adam about what episodes uh, we're going to put on the podcast and actually something we're going to do it, please if you're hearing this right now and you have any thoughts about this um reach out to me on twitter i uh, just send me a reply on, on twitter or on dm inside of discord or whatever it is reach out to me i'm so accessible just come to live stream and tell me uh, we're thinking about creating an individual podcast feed that's just literally all the all the panels and presentations from 2020 to now. It's not attached to the network. It's just like you guys want to enjoy yeah. those things. You can go back to it as a podcast. Like a, Here it is, like a pitch count feed. Yeah, it's just literally a pitch count playlist. I love that. I think that'd be great. Um, so, uh, so we're thinking about doing that. If you guys, if there's a lot of interest on it, we'll take the time now to get it up there. We we're thinking about doing it kind of as Why? the season goes on Why? and having. I it just ready. said. I just said do it. I just said it's a great idea. I know. Idea. You're one person. Fine. I'm Whatever. not going to do it. For, you want to do it? <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of time. Those are hours and hours. That's I didn't like sign a up collective like 300 <laughs> hours or something of know, a podcast. Okay? Yeah, yeah, it's too much. So, uh, but we, as we, a we'll consumer, it would be great. Yes. Cool. Um, we might do that. Keep in mind, like it's going to be hidden. You have to search for it, right? So if you know, we don't, it's just going to be its own podcast feed, not connected to our network. So if you subscribe to this, you won't know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, the freed stuff is just kind of that ding to me, and it's the the floor is lower to me than is Yamamoto, and that's a big deal for me this early. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing or not. This is just something I've like I'm trying to get rid of all the anxiety of my ranks, mm-hmm. yeah. and like I'd rather I, I find myself at a time now. I feel like I'm a curmudgeon. I've aged. I this is me by the poking the fire with my. I uh, standing in front of it, my arms clasped behind my back, you know, my forearms folded over really. And just thinking, I don't need to chase the highest thing. I just yeah. need to be content with something I know will be great, you know, like, but, but dad, <laughs> like that's my old younger me. But, anyway, yeah. that's kind of where I'm going with the this. Same I, thing of like, I think you go back to the same thing then is if, if what you, if you're not going to chase the, the highest highs but you're going to go with something you know is safe i think we just need to accept that that thing is not actually safe right yeah as it's not as safe as it might be making so it. That's a great point. so we need to make sure that there's at least value in the thing that we consider safe and that's yeah. where like again we're talking a lot about logan webb who we haven't talked about yet but right. or or let's use max free it's not safe but we know that the value will be there when he's on the mound. Right. The quality per inning is going to be higher. And that's an interesting conversation. When you compare that with somebody like Logan Webb, we also know that when Logan Webb is pitching, it's going to be good. He's never been like bad. It might not have the highs of even Max Freed, but also if he feels a little safer, then maybe you're like, okay, I'm still getting quality. It might not be the exact level of quality, but it's also safer Maybe I'm like off the top of my head. I'm like comparing this to like if you have two like Chinese food restaurants in your neighborhood, right? And yeah. one of them, the food is so good, but yeah. 50% of the time 
you are a wreck after eating it. And the other one, the food is like 80% as good. But you but know you'll be fine. You're very rarely a wreck afterwards. Yeah. Maybe like once. Then maybe yeah. if you have to choose which one you order from, you're like, I'll take a slight hit on the quality yeah. to make sure I don't hate myself afterwards. But I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to take a 50% hit on the quality of the food I'm eating. You know, I stop paying on Chinese good. food restaurants, okay? Uh, oh, now, I love them. <laughs> I'm going to go 11 to 20 here. Um, we have Zach Gallen, Freddie Peralta, Yur- Yoshinibu Yamamoto. I'm going to get better at that. Yoshinibu, Yoshinobu. Mm-hmm. I can do things. Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Aaron Nola, Tarek Skubal at 15. Bobby Miller at 16, Yuri Perez at 17, Grace Rodriguez 18, Zach Eflin 19, here's our boy, Logan Webb. And to me, I think I've expressed a lot of like, I'm lowering Derek Scooble from this. I'm probably lowering Freddie Peralta. Who is the one that you felt like you are going out on a limb on? And who do you feel that you're undecided about? I, I think as we're having this conversation, like I think that, 15, 16, 17, 18 of Scooble, Miller, Perez, Rodriguez, which are mm-hmm. all kind of like guys I think can make a jump, but yeah. I haven't necessarily either seen it or with this case of Scooble, who we've talked about a lot, we have some questions about whether what we saw is legitimate. And then I have the guys right after them in Eflin and Webb, who we just talked about Webb. Um, and we talked on our last podcast about Eflin in being like, we kept saying if Eflin goes to X place yeah, and does right, Y right. thing, he'll be great. He and did he was, it, and now we're and now not we're rewarding him. him. Yeah. And maybe I need to say, okay, maybe I maybe I feel in some level I feel more confident in getting a good season out of Zach Eflin. Like I, I think it'll be a good season regardless, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the Scoobles, Millers, Perez's, Grayson Rodriguez's, maybe there's still more you know, roller coaster up and downs of being a young pitcher adapting to this level. And I ranked them higher because I think the ultimate upside is higher than Eflin and Webb. But to what we're just talking about, maybe if I know I'm going to get, or if I feel in my gut, I'm going to get quality from Eflin and Webb. And it might not have the ceiling of those four guys, but I feel like the floor is less volatile. Mm-hmm. Then maybe it's just bumping those guys ahead and moving the like second year arms. I know right. school isn't, but I'm grouping him in that moving. Yeah, no, I am. I think up. everyone is too. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Um, I'm probably going to do something like this, but I'm going to have Bobby Miller ahead. I think um, I'm a huge Bobby Miller guy. I know. Um, it, and I really feel like the, I, th- I think the floor is safer than Perez and Rodriguez. So let's, uh, let's yeah. talk about that for a second because mm-hmm. so I have Bobby Miller higher a lot of the people I like and respect have Bobby Miller like 23 higher. and 24 or something too. I've seen, I've seen some like lower ranks too. Right. So I feel like 16 is high. I thought it was fine. I'm seeing it still higher than a lot of other people. Um, I know he has like elite raw stuff. There doesn't seem to be any health concerns. There aren't really command concerns. He's not like a George Kirby, but he's not, there's no, problem um mm-hmm. but the more i look at it it's like okay i love that in the second half of the year he went more to the fat the four seam and less to the sinker uh but then if you go to the pitcher list pages um and you know That's i've been loving on like 
the high lock and all this sort of stuff lately. But like the four seamer has a high lock of 43% essentially, uh, which is not great. Uh, the four seamer also has just a 41st percentile put away rate. So that's not great for a 99 mile an hour four seamer. So I start to like break down. Okay. But like the change up is pretty good. Um, but then I go to like the slider. Well, the slider has only an 18.4% put away rate. So that's like, mm-hmm. that's not great. So it's the curveball. The curveball is his, his put away pitch, right? But the curveball, you know, had just a 14% swinging strike rate overall in the second half. So then I have to reconcile that with like, that's a pretty average number for a put away rate that's so high. So why does the curveball get average swings and misses in general, but is so good with two strikes. Is it a sequencing thing? Is it like, it's just, there's a lot of those questions that because I haven't seen, I have one season of evidence to go off of Mm -hmm. that. I'm like, I can see the individual pieces and I could see how they could fit into this thing. But I do still have some questions about like, what, what is, what does that thing actually look like? at the end of the day because like a, a 13% swing strike rate is is solid and a 30% CSW is solid. Um, maybe that's it because that's pretty good. Like he had a pretty good first year. Maybe I'm foolish to assume there's another level. I don't know. Why are you higher on him than the others? It's pretty obvious, Eric. The guy is dope. Well, yeah, don't you understand just, how dope just, that is? I no, do. I, I see all the stuff. I've said this a lot actually in the past couple of weeks about like the Dodgers being so strangely in on low fastballs and not high ones. Yeah. And his four seamer is graded out to be like an absurdly good one upstairs, and he's just not really doing it much. Um, I also I love the fact, like you were mentioning, again, it's a 14% overall swing strike rate for his curveball, 36% CSW. Um, it only had a 40% ICR, as you mentioned, right? And there are times I feel like he had to go more with that one because the slider hasn't really formed yet. Right. Um, but he throws the slider. It, it, it's his most thrown pitch to righties. So like, that's where yeah. I look at it and I'm like, it's kind of your worst pitch right now, but you're throwing it 27% of the time to righties, which is more than you're throwing anything else. And the sure. other two pitches you're throwing to righties are sinkers and this, four. I, I, I've seen this before. Where so like, it grades ah. super well, the slider should be doing far, far better. And it's a case of literally a guy just tugging his slider too far glove side. And we saw with George Kirby, I, I mentioned all the time in 2022, we saw it getting improved in 2023. Those mm-hmm. kind of adjustments, I believe, can be made. And yeah. there's a reason why its PLV is 92nd percentile. Um, like Bobby Miller's stuff, like I, I remember actually in. First Bajaran Zone, you know, grabbing the mic at one point, like draft Bobby Miller everywhere, you know, like it's, and I understand it completely. Like he just he doesn't so have, many I have Bobby Miller higher than he does. So. And his eye is 41% swing, uh, O swing on his sinker is, is crazy good. Yeah. Um, where I might have, like you guys will see next week, I am going to be awfully aggressive on Bobby Miller. Like I'm going to have him in your ranks right now. I'm just saying, okay, cool. He's going to be up Tarek school above Tarek school, but he's going to be above Aaron Nola. He's going to be above Freddie Peralta. Um, he's going to be above Max Freed. He's going to be above, believe it or not, Tyler Glass now. So mm-hmm. you have all of that, and that's like a like five spots, six spots. So he's going to be like close to ten or eleven for me. Um, I really just think that Bobby Miller is this is it's the perfect example of a super high floor 
with amazing ceiling. Uh, he just, it's, he's just too hard to hit. He's too good. Um, so that's how I feel about that. Uh, Freddie Peralta is an interesting one. I think he's kind of polarizing because for me, I think he's still someone that vol, uh, is, um, oscillates in rhythm. Sure. And he was on a really good ride for a bit. It was awesome. Creases velocity two ticks that I'm going to expect comes back down. Also, someone who has been riddled with injuries in the past, and I was really terrified of the shoulder a bit, and it obviously was okay. But I, I just feel that Freddie Peralta had like four really good months, and I'm not ready to just go back in on that. Um, but I could be just overlooking this. Everyone has warts, all that kind of stuff. I get it. Um, I haven't really made a decision yet on Freddie Peralta. Um, but there's really like, I, I understand why you put him at 12. Makes all the sense. I'm not, I don't really know if I'm going to be there yet. Um, and yeah. I would ask more, but also I want to, I want to get to the back half. Tell I will me. just say with, with yes. Freddie Peralta, I think we obviously saw tremendous results at the end. There's some things that I looked at. Like I like that his pitch mix sets up well against both righties and lefties because of the change up, the curve, the slider. Like you can see him throwing you can see him battling both righties and lefties well he did better against lefties last year actually because the change up um and the change, change up came was a solid by the end. that was so interesting and the, the curveball was actually much better against lefties than it was against righties last year um so that slider will kind of be crucial for him um and for seam location again uh because he has just a 47.7% high location on his four seam uh, against righties, but he throws at 62 point, throws a 62, sorry, his high location against lefties is 62.3%. Um, and his fastball is way more successful against lefties than righties. Yeah, I know. It's so, so weird. My thought is like, yeah. be, it's because it's not a across the board thing, it is just a versus righties, lefties thing. I think it's comfort level because of that, like, cross body. Yeah, mechanics. no, you're absolutely right. Throwing high against righties is yeah. uncomfortable, but like yeah. he does it against lefties. So I'm like, maybe there is a, maybe there's something there which he can kind of build off of. And if he gets that fastball up a little more against righties, then he could be a little bit more dynamic. Also, yeah. his uh, curveball is. Uh, glove side just 24% of the time, or sorry, 24th percentile against righties. You want, I, in my opinion, I would prefer the curveball against righties to be more glove side, to be more away out on the outside part of the plate against righties. Um, and his curveball is far less, less successful against righties. So for me, it's just like, I see some minor changes that I think could make his, his pitch mix that already exists a little bit more impactful and just make what we saw in the second half feel more stable versus feel like, Hey, this, you know, came out of nowhere. But again, this is where I'm going with like, could I see moving him below Yamamoto? Sure. And then you get into like this tier of like Nola, Scooble, Miller, Eflin, Webb, where it's like, I have questions about all those guys and I feel like Freddie Peralta has always been pretty good and there's a potential another level there and so if I'm taking that at like maybe 13 or 14 I feel comfortable how many seasons has Freddie Peralta gone above 90 innings yes well so I don't think I don't think that's entirely fair two okay but but 
fine. He was not a full-time starting pitcher until 2021. He worked out of the bullpen. That's fair. So that he's, had fair. Only, he's had only three seasons as a full-time starter. And in those seasons, he threw 144 and a third, 165 and two thirds, and then 78 when he got not injured. in that order. <laughs> no, not in that order. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, yeah, it, was in the middle. you're absolutely so right. It's not the, fair. In the three I... seasons that he's been a full-time starter, he has averaged out to 129 innings. Right. Um, there were, I mean, one, there was one of which was injured at times and then injuries did mess him up a little. And then also right. the brewers being the brewers also messed them up. And it yeah, wasn't he, like the only injury he ever goes, had was 2022. Right. He um, rarely goes over six innings. Like, yeah, he's not going to limit his innings. Pitcher. And but I, I see, the, I see uh, Peralta as a thrower, not a pitcher. Sure. I'd say the number one skill of Freddie Peralta is his hit per nine. It's unbelievable. It's in 2020, 6.8. 2021 well, has, was a 5.2. He has a 35% 5. ICR. It, it's incredible. And it it's a product of a really good extension on that fastball and then adding the slider for strikes finally. I remember actually in 2021 beforehand, I was like, we don't expect him to throw strikes like with his fastball command that. Like, how do we expect him to command a slider? And all of a sudden he does well with them. Like, oh, okay, never mind. I'm dumb. But a 7.1 hit per nine is actually kind of closer to what, I mean, that's still elite. Like, if you have a seven hit per nine for a full year, like, oh man, fantastic. Um, I I do have just worries about rhythm. Like, he wasn't good for a couple months. Um, sure. And I, and then there's, of course, like, that was the most innings he's ever pitched, 166. 144 was the previous high in 2021. Freddie Peralta, to me, is just a little riskier. Now, he's in my top 20. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out where I'm actually going to put him. Um, and if, uh, yeah, if you want to say like, look, he's ready to do it. Like, okay, yep, he can be very, very good. And you're not really going to be, I mean, actually, I take this back. Uh, like, I think you, there is a floor of like, he was a 386 yeah. ERA last year. Uh, and yeah, the whip probably won't kill you because he just doesn't allow enough hits for that. Um, and the home run rate jumped up massively uh, to 1.4 per nine. That was really the difference maker there. I don't know. I, I uh, yeah, it, it just it's like a little too much of hey, there is this element of being in rhythm and hey, also injuries that is bringing me down. But yeah, he was so freaking good. <laughs> he was so no, good. He was good. I hear and you. But this is this is the nature ugh. of like after the top seven or eight, you do this. You do yeah, so doing this And here I was saying that oh man, we got to get onto the other one about like seven minutes later. Uh, that's all on me. And uh, we are going to get to Eric's 21 through 30 quickly. But the 21 is going to is very interesting. We're going to talk about all of that after this break. So we're back and we're going to talk about the 21 to 30 for Eric Samolski. I'm going to say it's a mystery pitcher at 21. Blake Snell, 22. Kyle Bradish at 23. Joe Musgrove, 24. Framber Valdez, 25. Cole Reagans at 26. How dare you? Kodai Senga at 27, Jesus Lazardo, uh, who doesn't truly believe there's a moon landing at 28. Oh, uh, I gotta move, I gotta move him down now. Steele. Yeah. Uh yeah, that was a thing or I saw earlier today. Justin Steele, 29, and Justin Verlander at 30, which is honestly much higher than I expected for Verlander. But 21 is Logan Gilbert. Talk to me about this one. Um it's it's just a it's kind of like a it's a floor play so i put him after i currently in in the rankings have eflin webb and gilbert um and so it's it to me is like i feel i feel 
good and safe about him as an SP2 in terms of like the floor that I'm getting, right? So last year, um, first of all, above average, average PLV scores, 515 on the whole pitch mix. Um, 373 ERA supported by a 378 Sierra, 108 whip, 19.9 K minus walk percent, 12.1 swing strike rate, 38.7 ICR. All of these things are above average, either good to slightly above average. The CSW, poor, 27.1%. Um, we've talked about his struggle to land on a consistent uh, secondary pitch, though the slider was pretty good for most of last year um, and saw an uptick in swinging strike rate in the second half of the year. Um, and for me, I think that is landing on this kind of like gyro slider um, and not playing around with like loopier sweepers, yeah. whatever. Um, I think that that worked. Um, we talked when we did our previous podcast, I think actually way earlier, that the splitter, while it had issues, missed a lot of bats. So it was really good in terms of swinging strike rate. It was not so great in terms of quality of contact, zone rate, all that sort of stuff. But it flashed the ability to be a good third pitch for him. Mm -hmm. uh, we know he's continuing to tinker and, and work and, and refine the arsenal. Um, still really good command, really good walk rates. So I think the whip will still be strong. Um, gets tons of extension, which I think allows his stuff to oh, play. Oh, man. All the bit. extension. Like elite, so, elite extension. So all of that to me is like, do I think there's another level to Logan Gilbert? Maybe, like maybe if he if he harnesses the splitter a little bit, um, and you know keeps the swinging strike rate, but you know can throw it more for strikes and limit hard contact and all those sort of things, and he adds that to the slider and the and the four seam. Um, maybe there's another level, but if he's just like a three six three seven ERA pitcher with an elite whip on a solid team who's going to throw a decent amount of innings, like maybe that's just fine. That's just good. Like I know what I'm going to get and I don't have to worry about it too much. So what's interesting about Gilbert to me is that he lost almost a full inch of IVB um, this past year. Uh, and he has that lead extension. Um, also is a little bit lower of a VA. So I went from like a one, which is like, okay, cool. That's fine. It's like a 0.8 and it's like, oh, you're getting a little bit worse now of like, uh, that's not necessarily good. It's well below average um, for a four-seam. Also, he could not locate that thing to right-handers and left-handers nearly as well as he did before. I mean, even against right-handers in 2022, Logan Gilbert was like middle in. Like that, no. Uh, that's not it. Um, he was better at getting it upstairs to, to left-handers. This year, it's just like middle-middle. And like, what are you doing? Um, he really couldn't figure out like how to throw his his four seamer, and you you see like his plot, and it's like, oh, it's everywhere. It's just it's everywhere, and I I question uh, Gilbert's ability to command control. No, like he's right. just throwing it in the zone, and he can do that, but to actually execute a four seamer appropriately, I have I have question marks about them. There's, you know, this coming with the IVB going down as well. Um, I hope that the slider is good, but uh, sorry, the splitter and the um, the slider was better at the end of the year and him going 50% plus sliders at times was pretty cool, but also 
who are you? Because Logan Gilbert was a guy that only threw fastballs and like was trying so desperately to find a slider. And then all of a sudden his slider took over and his fastball got worse and never really recovered from that fully. I guess I'm I'm more worried about him because I don't I see the other guys on this list and I think, oh yeah, Joe Musgrove, he can pitch. That guy like is doing his thing. Kyle Bradish, I think, is so ultra close and has a really good floor to him and has that higher ceiling if he adds that curveball, right? Uh Framber Valdez, we know what we're gonna get. Um, is it going to be the same whip as Gilbert? Probably not because of this, because of the walk rate. But I think you're going to get more overall. So from, much hard contact from, from so Valdez. Much hard contact. I know. Trust me. I, I don't I keep going back and forth on Valdez. I think the 13 and seven record is swaying us a little with Logan Gilbert. Um, I think I, also, uh, I just don't love the. I don't love that Valdez started throwing the cutter. Harder, less to righties, yeah, and through less to righties, and it gave up so much more hard contact. No, no, this year, but uh, there's also before. the fact that like Valdez just gets you wins, and sure, he will get tons of strikeouts just because of the volume. And the ERA has never really been bad. And uh, the whip, honestly, is I think gonna be kind of close to Gilbert's. Like, he's not gonna have a four point seven walk rate again. I guess That's I just think, like, I think there might be another level for Gilbert where I don't like. I think if you told me they're both three six ERA pitchers mm-hmm. with, you know, I think Gilbert has a better whip than Valdez. Valdez probably has more likely is more yeah. likely to get wins. No, I, I I would I think that's the thing that I give I think Gilbert. Probably around the same. K Total strikeouts are going to be similar so too. On, right. Yeah. But I think that there's a. I think I feel confident that there's another step. I feel more confident in another step for Gilbert than I feel that there's another step for Valdez where, which is why I have Gilbert. I think, I think it's, it's about, like, uh, yeah, four yeah. spots. I, I understand so that. It's, it's pretty much in the same range. It's just, yeah. I'm willing, I'm more comfortable banking on the guy who doesn't allow a lot of hard contact than the guy who allows a boatload of hard contact. <laughs> because I think at some point, I don't think that's going to, I don't think like the wheels are going to fall off for Amber Valdez or something and he's going to be like a four something ERA pitcher. But I think that when you allow a lot of hard contact, it's a tightrope to walk to keep your ratios low. And so would it surprise me if one season he spikes a three eight ERA? No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really surprise me if that happened for, for Amber Valdez because of how much hard contact. Well, okay. So I, I want, I'll push back on that a little bit. Um, last year, ICR rate was 50th percentile for Framber Valdez. It was 57th percentile for Logan Gilbert. Like, I don't really see it being so different. And in the past, that was Framber Valdez's worst. Like, the previous two years, it was 33% and 31% ICR. But he made changes. Gilbert, the last two years, was 42% and 41%. And he got a little bit better because of the slider. And I can understand you saying, cool, that Logan Gilbert's trending down. Framber Valdez is trending up. Um, and there is val- there is that's a very valid argument of like Logan Gilbert with his worst fastball well in the second half uh, gets that back and he has the same slider kind of thing um, maybe there is something legit about that maybe the splitter is more consistent while Framber Valdez uh, allowing still all this sinker damage and it drives me in, up the wall I also think that Framber Valdez is going to be better with his curveball than he was last year I think the sure I think there are like a lot of elements of like Framber was so good. And then there was like a couple of weeks. And I was just like, oh, dang it. <laughs> but, but I think you know? that to me, like the ICR is also connected to like 
okay, the first half of the year he threw his change up ten percent of the time. The second half of the year, who's this? Valdez or is this Valdez? Valdez. The the first half of the year, Valdez threw his change up ten percent of the time. The second half of the year, he threw it twenty-two percent of the time. Yeah, change up was a good pitch. Great. Also had fortieth, forty-eighth percentile ICR. Yeah, it was a middling Um, uh, contact. He changed the cutter. The cutter right. allowed more yeah, the hard thing, I, 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 so, I understand that a lot. I'm, so I'm going to have some empty faith maybe that the cutter is. But yeah, you're right. making a really good argument about Logan Gilbert here over Fran Bavaldas. It's more. I just, actually, I don't know where I'm going to side right now. Next week, I'm going to make that decision. It's more just, I think, when you point out that it was like his worst year by ICR, I think it's tied to changes that led to it being, yeah, it wasn't me just, being worse. It wasn't Theoretically, just luck. Change back? He could, for know. sure. He absolutely could. Um, and I was big. I was big on Framer Valdez going into last year, um, so I I could easily buy back in. Um, I he weirdly feels like Logan Gilbert feels safer to me. Maybe that's yeah. Stupid. It's weird. I feel like, well. That's the thing. I think it's like a scale of like Logan Gilbert can go lower, and Framer Valdez feels more consistent. But yeah, I mean, I guess I just hate the fact that I feel like watching Gilbert. It's just ugh, it's stressful, man. like i don't feel confident with logan gilbert i feel like ah frame about this whatever you'll be fine um but i but yeah i i understand both ways i'm gonna keep moving on here the other guys we don't really need to talk about here i mean say for for verlander at 30 i really want to hear your uh your thoughts about that um i just i had him much lower um and i think that i wasn't entirely fair to the year that he had overall, which while not being great, wasn't actually terrible. Um, you know, the surface level stats, the 322 ERA, 113 whip, uh, you know, 34.5% ICR. Those are all really good numbers. The PLV is still above average. Um, you know, quality pitch rate is still above average. Um, not a lot of swings and misses. Um, so I think it's important that we understand that he, he had a below average um, strikeout rate, but his pitches individually still graded out well. And he actually struck out more batters in the second half of the year. His strikeout rate went up in the second half of the year versus the first half of the year. I listen, I'm not going to be like the, Oh, it was the Mets. And the, you know, he, he went back to Houston and like things got better, but uh, you know, who knows? But, um, you know, his if you look at like defense independent ERA or like PFIP, like all of Alex Chamberlain's metrics, plus swing strike rate, second half of the year was was better. Um, He threw his curveball more. Um, It limited hard contact a lot in the second half of the year. Uh, The slider missed more bats in the second half of the year. So like maybe he was just it was like a comfort level thing. Maybe it was. You know something with with you know Maldonado. Obviously, they've they've been together for a long time. Um, he he has a, a personal catcher and all of that as well. Verlander, you know, I know we like to joke. We like to joke about all those things, but like a two ninety two ERA in ninety two and a third innings in the second half of the year. Um, he had eighty seven strikeouts in ninety two and a third, which isn't great, but it's not awful. Um, he's not putting together like. His, his whip is still pretty low, you know, 108 in the second half of the year. So if I'm taking Justin Verlander on good team context, who maybe is going to put up solid ratios, but has less 
strikeout upside, but he's still through 162 and a third innings, even at 40 years old. I'm like, okay, what if I get 160 to 170 innings of a low three ERA and good whips, but below average strikeout rates? Like that's kind of what he gave you already last year. It's not. And that wasn't a bad year. It's going to get worse before it gets better, though. But who said it's going to get better? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, I, the I think second that, half. I think there are a lot of reasons to believe that it should be worse for uh, for Verlander. Um, possibly. But again, yeah, I'm right. It, I mean, it's, I it's like terrifying to me to see like the four seamer be a nine point five percent swinging strike right now, um, and the slider not hint at its old twenty percent plus swing strike rate. So it was just fifteen percent in 2023 and that's a little scary to me um you know strike rates on the changeup have not been good for ages uh there's just a lot of elements here that's just like okay it's working the icrs are so good the slider is at 28 percent last year that's great it seems ridiculously good but okay the the four seamer has a lot of ivb and verlander hey i gotta give him props like he does such a good job of getting that thing upstairs enough that it, those are pop outs and not home runs but at the same time, like he has had problems with home runs in the past. Bouncier ball, I get it. Also, he has like the steepest VAA. And when that ball is not upstairs, it can be hit much better. Seeing a 21.5% K rate last year um, for Verlander and already, and also starting the season delayed uh, as he was. Uh, we talk about the Tommy John honeymoon, 300 innings traditionally. 175 in 2022, 162 in 23. He's he's going to be 41. Um, sure. Like it's, but I, I I think that for I don't think it's a reasonable expectation for him to say, "Great, you had another, you had this good season. You're going to do it again." Um, I think it just gets worse. Now, how much worse is a question to me? But to right. say like this is a plateau now, I'm not so, ready to do that. To I mean. I think there's a slight ageism in the argument of like. Of course there is. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, his fastball declined about a tick last sure. year. But he has not. He hasn't posted an ERA over 338 since 2014. Absolutely. Um, and that's yep. through multiple injuries, through multiple. Oh, he's getting less effective. So I'm not saying you're getting elite Justin Verlander, right? You're not getting 2018, 2019, you know, pre arm injury. Justin Verlander. But if I get solid ratios and a strikeout rate that's like 22%, which is how many kind of what he did in the second half of the year. year. How what? many how many how many strikeouts do you think Verlander had last year? Well, I know how I mean I know how many he had because I'm looking at it, but 144. Right. But he but as I talked about, he had 87 in 92 innings in the second half of the year when his slider was performing better. So I'm not suggesting there's gr- like there's a growth that he's, his slider is going to be better than it was last year. I'm saying if his if him finding the slider in the second half of the year for the second you know 92 in a third innings, it's actually more whatever more time than yeah, he yeah, pitched right, in the first right, half right. of the year. But if he just carries that over yeah. and doesn't get better, but doesn't get like significantly worse, is just kind of the same like eh, strikeout rate pitcher with strong ratios on a good team, I don't think it's an exciting pick. And maybe he should be in the mid-30s. But like, 
I still think like I still think there's value in you're not I I just don't believe you're gonna get a pitcher who gets lit up. I just I don't believe yeah, it. Like I, okay. I think he might not strike guys out, but I just don't see somebody who implodes your ratios or anything like that. Yeah. Uh with uh yeah, with Verlander. I'm actually kind of surprised you have him ahead of say like Chris Sale because I feel like on a per game yeah. basis like you're gonna like Sale more right? Yeah, and I think I, think I, I have think, right. You I have, have Sale like a three three spots lower. I have slightly more faith in Verlander's innings because even though he's even though he's 41, yeah, he, with the exception of hit the one injury that he had, um, at, you know after the 2020 season, so he missed all of 2021. He has consistently thrown more innings than Sale. Uh, they both have injury issues, so it's not like one is more injury prone than another. It's are you do you feel more comfortable saying Verlander is going to throw fewer innings because he's old, or Sale is going to throw fewer innings because he always gets hurt? Um, I'm going to say he's going to throw fewer innings because he's old and he also was hurt last year. Who? Verlander. Yeah, but hurt at the beginning of the year. Sure, but he was it's still showcasing. Okay, wait, this is the guy that would always not be hurt. Now he's hurt again, and sure. Okay, so you yeah. think Verlander throws fewer innings than Sale? I would say it's gonna. I mean, I don't think I'm not saying that he's going to throw fewer. I would probably say that Verlander is going to throw more, but I think they're both going to throw under 140. Interesting. Okay. Um, so and I, I would say, I, like, I think I think the reason that I'm more in on Sale is what you were saying before about the quality of the inning being yes. so high with sale and at this point being like you know what i get it i feel like when sale pitches it will be like a more a more uh effective and an impactful thing um i'm honestly i just feel like justin verlander is going to turn into a toby and I, uh and I, I that's not necessarily bad i'm not saying like verlander is gonna be like at 70 or something for me and i and I, I think there is some a lot of really good points you're making about like you're not going to dislike necessarily everything from verlander you know you're going to have him on your team and it's gonna be fine um, but there is a decent chance that like Verlander is like a three eight to a four ERA with like a one fifteen one twenty WHIP with like a twenty percent K rate. Like that's actually it's very reasonable um, for this. And it's like, oh right, like I don't have that twenty five percent upside of of strikeouts really that I used to. I don't think I do. I don't understand you're buying into the right. slider. I'm well, not buying into it as much. I'm not buying into it in the sense that I have a twenty five percent strikeout rate. Okay, fair enough. If I have yeah, you yeah. know twenty two twenty three, I'm right. buying into. I don't think that. ERA pushes over like three five mm. because because I just have never I have yeah. not seen that going from to, him yeah, ever. Okay, um, so there's a disagreement. Say, yeah, go. I will say I had him in the late forties, close to fifty, until recently, where I was like, maybe I'm being too mean, and now maybe I've overcorrected. But mm. I think that like somewhere in the thirties to maybe mid to late thirties or early forties to me maybe feels better. I don't think I'd go back down toward like Verlander is a perfect example much. of a guy that a lot of people are just going to love that they drafted in April uh, of like, he's going to be fine. He's going to be good. And he's going to get you wins. He's going to be like, everything's fine. Everything's cool. And then it's going to like, I feel like it's going to deteriorate as the season goes on, but that's just me. But uh, I'm going to move past Verlander. I'm going to talk about the rest of these guys. because This is actually a really fun area. And uh, we're going to talk about all of those after this break. All right, so uh, 31 through 40 now. Uh, it's Sonny Gray, Dylan Cease, Chris Sale at 33, as we handed at. 
Michael King at 34, Carlos Rodon, Joe Ryan, all the way at 36. Shane Boz, Brian Wu, Bryce Miller, at least you agree with me on the Wu versus Miller. Love that. And Billy Ober at 40. I would say the ones that I'm circling here, like absolutely not, are Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon. So tell me, what are you doing with Cease and Rodon here? Well, so you, you're circling Rodon because you had this conversation about his injury after yes, you and I, after you and I if, talked even about... Even before then, I think I would still have him behind the other guys here in the 30s. I would probably would before I, that conversation probably had him around like 45. I will say for the purpose of rankings, this four pitcher grouping of like C sale, Michael King and Rodon are all like, I believe the raw talent is really high and they all have questions for me in terms of either potential innings pitched due to injury or having never um, you know been a starter before or Dylan Cease is like yeah he could be great it became <laughs> his command is a wreck. Um, <laughs> but like yeah like a good two months but like does he get traded and does he go to a better team yeah. and does he go to a team that maybe has uh, an idea of how to get that level out of him before there was just a point for me where I was like, I like the talent of these arms and I feel weird about pushing them down farther than this. And mm -hmm. so it's admittedly an inexact science of like, we're getting into this range now where I am hopeful to like maybe be in a little bit of like SP four territory in 12 teams in a 12 team league. And that's the cool thing you can be guys like a lot of people think like, Oh no, SP 36 is always SP three thing. No, you can go and get these yeah. guys before others in the six well, we, and the rounds. Yeah. We've talked about how like I'm willing to wait a little bit early on and then yeah, I can attack the middle a, a bit. And so like, if I'm in a 12 team and like, sure, if, if I'm in a 15 team league and this is my SP three, I might not be taking Rodon. I, I might not feel, I mean, maybe yeah, I sure. Yeah. Nuance of the draft. Right. But Absolutely. if, but if I'm in a 12 team league and I'm like, at some point I'm just looking at the, the skill level and thinking it's pushing these guys down too far. Sure. Um, and I understand the Rodon thing, you know, he technically is in the, the honeymoon like he should be fine um he came back you know he started the year late came back was a was a wreck we talked about um a little bit about how like throwing last year out to a certain extent in terms of like him never having fully been healthy him right. you know like finding a level i in particular watched your breakdown of his 10 strikeout game in september and Aww, like finding the changes and the way that he was attacking with fastballs yeah. up and with the curveball and things that he wasn't doing earlier in the year. So like we could tell the rust was being shaken off. Um, he's the one. It's weird because I understand that Dylan Cease is high. Rodon is the one that I'm most cautious about here from an injury standpoint. Like Dylan Cease is just at some point you just draw a line in the sand where you're like, I'm willing to get burned taking a shot on the raw stuff of a pitcher and some people that line is going to be way later and some people that line is going to be way earlier. And I think that's mm -hmm. personal preference of like, yeah. no, I understand that. You understand the flaws and you're just like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to hold this yeah. grenade and see if it doesn't go uh, off. 
with Rodon, I do want to mention he was 96 for two starts, and I think that included that 10 strikeout game and one in the yeah, ninth yeah. strikeout game. And then he was 94, and then 93 and change, and that was the end of his season. And I was like, that's God, oh, that's just it's, it's too much of like. Trust me, I understand the ceiling of Carlos Rodon when it works. Um, I really do. I uh, and I'm in some ways more inclined to go after Rodon than I am like Dylan Cease because if it's health. That makes more sense to me. Cease, it's more of just a flaw of like what he is. Um, he's just not sure. a good command guy, and you know we see the stuff plus in the forcing that's cool, but what he's able to actually do with it is not really uh, doesn't take into account with stuff plus, right? And then how he actually yeah. utilizes it and the consistency through the season and so on and so forth. And uh, I'm out on Dylan Cease. I actually have. I think what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be making this tier and i don't it's interesting because i gotta really decide i'm very much about my my top 100 rankings being tier focused and where there are situations where like a guy would be in tier four or six but not in five and so you might see like 10 rank changes uh because they're like at 39 and then the thing would go from like 40 to 49 all of a sudden he's now at 50 at the top of the next one right um but i'm gonna have something of like i think it's gonna be verlander cease Chris Sale, Rodon is in there, and I'm sure there'll be other guys that you're we're gonna list off here that would be inside of it. Of like, I can understand how this works and is really good, but there's just these ridiculous fears that make me feel like I'm just gonna be so sad. Um, and Joe Ryan to me is someone that should be better. I mean, four seamer was really good, and then he became too four seamer happy. The splitter just wasn't good enough. Yeah, that's Um, my thing. The first half the splitter was great, and then the splitter disappeared and he became essentially just a four one seamer guy. guy. I'm I'm banking on the fact that how good that four seamer can be that especially going to drive lighting again and he already increases velocity last year and it was really helpful for him that they will figure out how to get a secondary pitch that is working for him like a cutter slider yeah. curve something else outside I, that splitter. I had him like 24 25 at one point and dropped him down after digging in on the splitter a little more i could easily see myself moving him back up because i was so in in the first half of last year um and i don't it's like you don't want to say you don't want to throw out the first half entirely because the second half was bad but it's Mm -hmm. just unfortunate that it was hey i have this new pitch look it's great oh i totally lost it but then as i'm saying those words out loud i'm realizing like that's what happens with new pitches and you have to get yeah, right, comfortable right. with it. And you have to throw it more. And so, you know, yeah. And then, um, and then with Shane Boz, I actually might have him leading that Verlander group mm-hmm. because that's a perfect scenario. The same thing. Like we just don't know. We like, yeah. we really don't know. And that one, as much as I adore him and I really feel like I'm going to get him a lot of teams. We don't know. Brian I, Wu. I'm going to have in this group too. Cause I just feel like he actually is a good commanded pitcher. Mm-hmm. Bryce Miller. I might actually have, after the tier of Verlander, I'm a, you know, uh, yeah, I'm um, I'm very on the fence about him. I was higher on him, and now I'm sour. Yeah, me too. A little bit. I think the there's no weapon against lefties. Yeah, and he is not a command guy. Like watching him pitch, he does not know where these pitches are going, and I hate that. I really hate leaning in in the top forty with pitchers that just don't know where the pitch is going. Uh, and then there's Bailey Ober at 40, whose PLV is is like our projections for him have him as like a top 20 starter um, and something something ridiculous. And I I don't know if I can quite buy it because it is so so in on the location of his four seamer 
and saying that his changeup and his slider should perform better than I think it has. And I'm worried that he's not going to be able to replicate it exactly right. And it's going to be a larger drop off when everything doesn't quite work. Um, but at the same time, like Bailey Ober's in this situation of like, cool, now I really do get every five days. Like I'm ready to go kind of. Uh, and yeah, Bailey Oberizzi is very interesting. I think I'm going to have him above that Verlander tier. But this is a very like every year. This is the this is the spot, y'all. That think, is the most fascinating. This can when we think about drafts and like what can make or break. It's really this is the part to me that is the most scrutiny because last year mm-hmm. this was Pablo Lopez territory. Yeah, right. Like you will see so many opportunities of guys taking that leap, and the ones I'm going to favor the most are the ones that have the clearest path to six innings every five starts with uh with a 25% plus strikeout rate and have a floor that I believe is good enough that I won't drop them. If I can have both of those two things, then we're cool. I think Brian Wu fits that bill. Surprisingly, Michael King fits that bill too. Uh and I'm kind of in on him for that reason. I uh, maybe I'm being too aggressive about the uh expected innings. But yeah, that's that's oh, my concern. I love Michael I, King. He's so efficient. He's so good. He's like he one is. of the best man guys. My concern is we've we haven't seen him outside of the run at the end of last year as a starter in Major League Baseball. Yeah. In addition to that, the Yankees have been were hesitant to like give him a lot of innings as a reliever, even yeah. because he yeah. battled he had battled injuries before mm-hmm. as well. So like you're not even getting. I mean, a 51 innings as a reliever is. Yeah, I might put him at the top of the Verlander tier. But that's not even great. So it's like, like, I love it. I love it, man. Some some projections are are giving him like 160, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. I can absolutely see that, yeah. I I think 140 feels much safer to me for Michael King in like the 130 to 140 range. Yeah, Uh, We're going to keep going. Yeah. Uh, Eric, you think we can beat last week's two hours? Okay, let's get let's get it under. We've that. got we've got forty one through uh, fifty here. This is you, Darvish, Hunter Green, Tanner Bybee, Shota Imanaga, Aaron Savali, Jordan Montgomery, Hunter Brown, Jose Brios, Nestor Cortez, and Nick Pavetta. Oh boy, we got some spice coming. We got we. This is the this is the stuff I've been waiting for, guys. I didn't mention this before. I don't know. I literally have my Excel spreadsheet um, smaller. So all I can see are 10 at a time. <laughs> like, I don't know what the next thing is. Uh, and this is awesome. Okay. So uh, Darvish and Green, I understand. Bybee, I understand. You actually haven't seen Gavin Williams in here, which is interesting too. There's Shota Minaga. We talked a ton about him. Then you have Aaron Savali at 45. And if you want to talk about limited innings, I mean, Aaron Savali so has him around like 150, 160. But it's the Rays. And I feel like you're feeling confident in that. I'm so confused. I have never, <laughs> I have never liked Aaron Savali. Never, I've never liked Aaron Savali. And we talked about it on the last podcast, where like the Rays made changes with him in this after they traded for him, and they didn't work because he struck out more batters, but he also got hit so much harder, mm. and so like it didn't really work. So I, I, I don't know, man. Like he's a really <laughs> hard rank for me because I. He has always pitched better than I expected him to. Sure. So I've always been out on him, but he's always been fine. Then he goes to an organization that I trust. They're making conscious changes with him. Those changes didn't work. But I kind of feel like I need to 
give them the benefit of the doubt that now with a full offseason plan with them that like the changes they see for him like i don't want to overrate the like one month that he was with them after the trade deadline where they were trying some things that didn't that again he missed more bats so it wasn't all bad um so it's like I just don't know. I think the curveball is good. (laughs) I think I think the curveball is good. I think the slider can be good. And so maybe the Rays can find a way to optimize that. And we're at this point in the draft in the mid 40s where it's like, you know, do I go with do I just say, hey, Hunter Brown, you looked atrocious in the second half of last year, but the upside is there. And so let's put you up or like this is this is really Cortez like you were hurt and you might not be that good, but also you've been very good for a while. So like maybe you're up there. I just, uh, it's yeah. hard. So I, again, this is why tiers are really helpful for me. So I, uh, so I'm going to be doing, I'm going to have that Verlander tier net. Right. And I might actually have Shoda inside that tier too, because that's a, I love Shoda innings are weird, but I feel like on a per inning basis and per game basis, like you're not going to be disappointed with Shoda, but like how much are we going to see? Because, I am moving over from Japan and just how can we really expect 150 or so? I don't know. Um, I'm probably going to have him there. I, and then you really get into like, and Tanner Bybee will probably be around there or something. I don't like Tanner Bybee, but I got to recognize like, okay, you did this thing. I don't really believe it, but you still were really successful with that slider and change. So fine. And I'm going to call like the next one really the Holly tier. I'm debating which tier should be next. Should it be the Holly tier where I feel like you're still going to be generally beneficial for my team, I think. And that's fine. Or should it be the um, the possible cherry bomb hipster tier of the guys that will drive you up the wall because you think it's still going to click, it's still going to click, it's still going to click. And and should you not? So the sad answer, uh, the, the unhelpful answer to that is it depends on what you drafted earlier. Sure, uh, maybe not. Honestly, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, I mean, sure. If you put yourself in a hole where like you absolutely needed chase strikeouts and yeah. stuff, then fine. But I guess if you're in a point where you're near like 50, you're kind of chasing upside at that point because there's gonna be more turnover. Yes and no. I so like Hollies to me are still upside. That's like upside isn't always to me like 25 to 30 percent K rates, right? Sure. Right, getting a guy love, like a Chris Bassett a last year. I love a K rate though. I trust me, but I'm I'm saying like I'm not going to go after someone with a 20% K rate here. I'm saying like, sure. hey, I want you to get like a 23, 24, 25, and they're actually a good amount of those. Like Nick Pavetta, we love that guy, right? And you yeah. want to say that's an upside thing, but honestly, I think there's more stability in him than there is in Hunter Green. Like Hunter Green's going to drive you up the wall. The park factor for for the Reds for home runs is like 120 plus. Like twenty percent more home runs. It's it's out of this world. It's it, it's bonkers. So I'm gonna do that, right? Likely, uh, I'm gonna go for Pavetta more, I think, than Hunter Green, just because I don't think I'm gonna get into this relative state of calm ever during the year. You Darvish, I actually believe in more, and he's gonna be in that Verlander tier too. Um, and I, I, Nick, you can't add everyone into that. I think I'm done, guys. Okay, uh, Nestor Cortez, <laughs> his rotator cuff is scary, man. And I want him to be okay, but that is really terrifying. And unfortunately, I need to take him away from that. Jordan Montgomery, ugh. I don't know what to do with him and Savali. Like, mm-hmm. I want Jordan Montgomery more than Savali just because of innings. Like, I just feel like Montgomery isn't going to give you a bad 2023 that you're going to say, like, I should 
man, he really ruined my team. No, but dang, I don't want, uh, I'm probably just going to avoid it. Um, so, I mean, this is, there's no real issue I have with these ranks here. Um, but I'm probably going to see a name that I go, oh yeah, what the heck was he doing down here? So I'm going to yeah. scroll down. Is that okay with you? Yeah. I will just say okay. for me, the Hunter, Hunter Brown is the tough rank because I want to believe in him more than I currently have him sure. ranked and I could see him being higher, but uh, you know, I, I think you can make forth. a decision faster in Hunter Brown than say Hunter Green. And that is why I would probably go for Hunter Brown over him. Okay. Fair. You know, if I, I'm, if any of you guys noticed when I did my top 100 pitchers in 50 minutes, uh, I had Hunter Green as green and I had Hunter Brown as brown color uh, and everyone else was different. Okay. Uh, we're going to go now to, oh man, we got 51 is Yusei Kikuchi, Seth Lugo, Gavin Williams. There he is at 53, Tristan McKenzie, Ryan, 54, Braxton Garrett. You moved that one. That used to be a 51. You literally just changed it right now. I saw 51 and then I scrolled back up because I know you I said you far. weren't looking. That's the Braxton, only one I saw. Braxton Garrett's a real tough rank for me right now. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bayo at 56, Pepio at 57, Morin at 58, 59 is Shane Bieber, and Chris Bassett at 60. So I'm going to tell you right now, Pepio, Bayo, Bassett, and Kikuchi are the ones that I'm going to put probably in like near that top 50. Mm-hmm. Because those are guys are the ones to me. I'm like, cool. I think all of them are going to get a lot of innings. Obviously, Ryan Pepio is a little bit weirder, but who else is going to start? They're going to start like every five days. Right. And Pepio, I think, honestly, is going to perform much better because the four-seamer plays up. And the Dodgers like, hey, let's put that low. I don't know. And it's really, really frustrating. So, Bayo, we've talked about a time we're both kind of interested in him. I'm a little surprised to see him underneath Braxton Garrett. Um, while Tristan McKenzie is yeah. looking weird, man. And uh, same with um, Gavin Williams. I'm feeling like I want to love the four-seamer, but I can't. 12.7% swing strike rate mm-hmm. and like on the fastball and... Hasn't quite commanded the curve yet, and the slider's in and out. But Seth Lugo, talk to me about him at 52. I mean, it was really, it was really good last year. He like, was one of those, like, no one want, no one, everyone, like, brushed aside Seth Lugo. Yeah, whatever, Seth Lugo. And it just kind of landed at, like, a 3 6 ERA with a 115 whip and decent right. carry. And he was another guy who, like, everybody's in on, oh, Michael King is going to start and he's going to be really good. And, like, Seth Lugo got a chance to start and was really good. And I understand that, like, it's not the upside of Michael King, and I'm not saying that. But, like, Seth Lugo was a good multi-inning reliever for the Mets. Um, Had apparently always wanted the chance to start, got the chance to start. Um, What I thought was interesting from him last year was that he differentiated the breaking balls a little bit more as a starter. Um, and so I, I felt like there was a little bit more depth to the arsenal. I don't think there's anything like, oh my God, Seth Lugo is incredible. Um, but look, 357 ERA, uh, 1 2 whip, like above average, PLV 503 is slightly above average overall on the arsenal. Uh, 17.2% K minus walk rate is again, slightly above average. Um, the 23% strikeout rate isn't great, but it's not terrible. And when you have just a 6% walk rate, it's again, slightly above average. Um, the whip or sorry, the ERA was supported by a three, nine, seven Sierra, which again is slightly above average, nothing great here, but now you're moving to a pitcher's park in Kansas city. He's going to get a lot of innings. The team context isn't great. But 
I just kind of hit a point where I was like, this dude was pretty solid last year. Um, he has two really good breaking balls. He has a fine enough array of fastballs, not even just one fastball, just a fine enough array of fastballs. And he kind of started like throwing the sweeper a little bit last year, which was interesting. And so I'm also just thinking like, I was also shocked. He's only 33. I don't know why I felt like he was like 38 or 39 years old. (laughs) Um, But he's only 33 and he he has like one year as a starter. So it's not like his arm is going to fall off. So I just kind of hit a point in the rankings here where like, again, we're talking about 52 where I was like, I think I'm going to get a decent amount of innings and I think I'm going to get decent ratios. And it depends on the build that I have. Like if I really need strikeouts, I'm not going to go there, but I just think that he might be just a solid, like maybe more of a 15 team league. Like if you just need a solid guy to fill out the back part of your rotation, I think Lugo is a good bet for that. Yeah. Um, I'm a little worried that, Maybe I am underrating the Kansas City Royals defense that I that he's gonna with his extreme ground ball rate continue to have that high hit rate and it was like a 120 whip after 117 in relief but 120 that is probably gonna get worse I think um, for next year for Seth Lugo and the 23 percent K rate sure it, it has such high potential Toby uh, label that like. I don't know. I'd rather I'd rather go after like Bayo, who is we like already, and then has I, we, I can see yeah. the next step for him, right? I mean, I I do that thing as a Red Sox fan, where like I'm trying, I maybe over. Oh, you're pushing him down a little more than like I'm trying. I'm trying not to feel like I'm being overly optimistic. Yeah. Um, I will say because I just wanted to look this up right now. Yeah. Last year in 2023, the Royals had the fourth best infield defense. I know. I remember this, but I also watched all these Cole Reagan starts where they screwed him and i'm like i don't know if i believe that <laughs> that's just my own bias also, in. but yeah maybe that's maybe that should be fine then you know but to be fair the padres were sixth so it's not like he's going from a bad infield defense to a good one yeah that's he, a really it fair might point. just be kind uh, of like really equal. i'm being completely stupid there um four seamers really bad though like this is a bad sure. four seamer 50 percent sure. icr and 31 percent usage is just oh my gosh i don't i i think it's more that like i don't I'm not totally in love with that sweeper and, and slider that he has uh, and curve. Singer is an incredible ICR pitch. It's been that way for a while. And, you know, it, it's fine. It's all fine. Wins might be a little bit tougher, but then again, the offense might be better with the Royals. I I have no real pushback here. It's just more that I think I would be more in favor of chasing something that could push the needle more. Fully get um, And I don't feel Fully like get not getting Lugo is a major loss. For my I, yeah. I think it's build specific and I could easily see myself pushing him down farther. Mm-hmm. I just felt like he was better to me than a pack of guys that you'll see come later who I felt yeah. like could really hurt you. Like I just kind of feel like Lugo's just a solid pitcher and maybe he's not great, but I don't think he's going to blow up. Sure. Um, so coming up next at 61, we're going to have the, uh, oh my gosh, what do I do with this guy tier? And uh, we're going to talk about that tier. And what is this guy doing at 70 after this break? Okay, so this is okay. This is very interesting to me because we're talking about like not hurting your team, Eric. And yet you have Merrill Kelly at 62, who has been routinely just new change of grip. Great defense in Arizona. They've won, won ball games like he's done this thing for a bit. 
And along the lines of him, and we're going to let you get to that in a second, because I totally jumped the gun seeing this one. Walker Bueller, who's expected to not be in the rotation out of the gate, and that's just a stash play, and that's so annoying. 61 mm-hmm. and lost a, a IVB a ton on that four-seamer after not getting sticky stuff. Um, you have Nathan Evaldi at 63 injuries. 64 is James Paxton. It's like, what the heck? Maybe I'll get some quality innings from him out of the game. 65, Lucas Giolito. What is that? Uh, Kenta Maeda, you have going to Detroit. Hey, he still has 25% plus strikeout rates. Griffin Canning, who I know you love. Mitch Keller underneath at 68. Cutter Crawford, who I know we both really like. Just under 70. And Christopher Sanchez, dude. What? We love Christopher Sanchez. Why is he at 70? What is going on? 61. 62. Merrill Kelly, talk to me. Uh, Where do you want me to start? Um, The Christopher Sanchez thing is... That uh, somebody point. I was big on Christopher Sanchez, and then somebody pointed out to me that si- similar to Lucas Giolito, or sorry, not to Lucas Giolito, Tarek Skubal, that Christopher Sanchez had a very easy schedule. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay. So maybe I was overly aggressive. The changeup is ridiculous. The sinker is mm, not that good. Um, and the slider, Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. T-, t for timeout sinker is not that good. It's fine. It okay. I that's that is too harsh. The sinker is very harsh. Fine. It's fine. It's a good sinker. It's up 40% ICRs to both lefties and righties, sure. But it has a 529 defense independent ERA and it gets a 4.7% swing and strike rate. That, that, so, that ERA so, marks for, for pitches are weird, and Alex Chamberlain will tell you that. Uh, it's sure, thing. but Alex also likes PFIP, which is 442 for the sinker. So that's fine. Yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is it's, like it's a fine, it's a fine pitch. Changeup. Yes, and that the sinker surprisingly, yeah. yes, it stayed away from lefties. And I'm like, dude, just throw that inside. What's wrong? And with you? Uh, and fine sinker, elite changeup is good from a left-handed yes um, pitcher when you're, lefty, facing, when you're righty. facing mostly righties. Um, no, so no issue with that. Uh, he struggled. He struggled. Uh, weird. Actually, what is? I'm like, he struck out right. ten Atlanta batters. Yeah, with that changeup. I, I I had him higher. I got scared off by the schedule issue uh, because I felt like if I was going to ding Scooble for it, it was fair to ding Sanchez. Um, I also got a little bit scared off by the fact that, like, in terms of the innings pitched he he went more than six innings twice all of last year sure. um, had a bunch of starts that were like four four and two thirds so you know you're kind of like uh, maybe he's a five or five plus inning guy and so that gives you a little bit less margin for error um super limited pitch mix with literally just three pitches that he throws um and so, even though he throws them all a decent amount, um, but I think it it when something is off, it gives him much less wiggle room. Um, and so maybe I overcorrected and ranked him lower than I should have because he was pretty good for the second half of last year. But I just, I don't know. I have some doubts. So okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you here because okay. I was wrong Please. on. Uh, Sinker to righties, 50% ICR. Sinker Nothing. to lefties, sub 20% ICR. Right. So that sinker to righties, 
That's a, that's absolutely a problem. He put it too. He put it glove side as opposed yeah. to arm side, and there's your problem. Yeah, I'm looking um, at this now, right now. It looks like he has one. The changeup is his only good pitch to righties currently. Uh, I mean, I would take a 32% CSW with a 66% strike rate with a slider, 40% ICR, sure, but like I'll take sure. that. Um, the call the, strike uh, and by the way, yes, here. this is all on the pitch was player pages. Do yes. by splits, lefty righty. It is. Like I can't do this without it anymore. I'm so reliant on him. Um, you know who I think Christopher Sanchez, the best comp I can come up with is. Who do you think? Who do you who, reading this stuff here with like sinker changeup slider that we think is good enough, changeup that is ultra elite, and a sinker that has 28% called strikes against righties and uh 29% called strike against lefties. Well, I thought you were gonna tell me that he's a left-handed Brian Bayo. No, he's a left-handed who? Even um, better than Bayo. Oh, even better? Who's a sinker changeup guy with a questionable slider? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm all in Red Sox. I'm like, Garrett Whitlock is a sinker changeup guy with a questionable slider. The best <laughs> one. It's Logan Webb. Left-handed Logan Webb. That's that's high, that's high praise. That is the ceiling you're chasing. That's, that's the, what I'm I mean, getting at. Because there's, there's a couple ceiling. reasons why to, to say that. One, the sinkers and changeup mirror each other so well in the same way that Webbs does. Uh, of like, this is a changeup that pretty much has like the same lateral movement as the sinker, except it drops and comes in much slower. And it's like it's like super startling. It's why you have that high uh, swing strike rate on the changeup. And it's why you have such a high called strike rate on the sinker. Because he masks them so well. Slider is the pitch that needs to get better and like Logan Webb, but he also gets more strikes with it. His walk rate was 4% last year, Christopher Sanchez. Uh, 24% K rate, 105 whip, 8 hit per 9. And I'm willing to sacrifice that sinker being, I I don't think it's going to be a 50% ICR. I think this is like the clear skill that he needs to improve upon is locating that sinker to righties and that's that. Um, It's it's still an 8 hit per 9. Like it's not like it was a 10 11 hit per nine or something because of that changeup. Uh, only six plus six on hit luck. Like six times he should have allowed hits and he didn't, is what uh, our PLB hit luck says. And the way I see this is Christopher Sanchez as one of the most efficient pitchers in baseball. Like one of the most efficient, least amount of pitches to get through six innings essentially, uh, is going to go more than five. They were easing him into the rotation this year. The Phillies were careful with that. I think you're going to see more of Christopher Sanchez every six innings uh, for for six innings on a winning ball club with the Phillies in improved defense. No more Schwarber in the outfield, better infield defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Christopher Sanchez is that kind of guy that you want of like surprisingly 150, 160 innings with double digit wins with a strikeout rate comfortably over 20% in solid ratios. Okay. Yeah. I see it. I, I see Let's it there. See. I'll take the chance on that. That's fine. I, I like I said, I was I was higher on him before somebody made me yeah, go back and look at the schedule. It's like Framber Valdez, like, dude, what are you doing um, against Ranger too? So find like, that cutter inside or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe I maybe I overcorrected. Happy to but, admit uh, my my. Why do you hate Cutter Crawford? Why do you, what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is what I get all the time. Why do you hate the guy? And it's just like no. It's like the other guys. There's all this stuff. And the um, Cutter Crawford thing is like. I don't know as of right now what the what the Red Sox are doing. I think he's in he's in the rotation. I don't think they're gonna add another arm. 
Um, if they did add another arm, then it's him, Bayo, Hauk battling for the final roster spot. Or sorry, not no, him, no, no, Bayo, no. Hauk, him, not Whitlock, him, Whitlock, Hauk battling yeah, yeah, for okay, the final yeah. roster spot. He probably, in that instance, um, is the favorite. He was pretty good at the end of last year. Um, I guess maybe it's it's the same thing of like, I just didn't want to over rank a 27 year old who was basically a a fine but not great pitcher until last year and he was better out of the bullpen sometimes last year than he was as a starter Mm -hmm. um and so maybe i'm being too hard on him in that respect uh it's, it's such a it's kind of crazy like you see 61 through 70 i'm like oh man I'd be happy. For, I'd be totally fine having Nathan Evaldi on my teams and Mitch Keller take a chance on that being corrected. Um, and Cutter Crawford and Christopher Sanchez. I'm like, this is 61 through 70. Yeah. This is amazing. Uh, <laughs> I'm digging this so much. Like, it's going to be, I know this year is going to be the year that's going to be the most difficult I've ever had mm-hmm. not drafting like 12 starters for my team. Yeah. Like, I want to do a mock draft where I literally don't take a picture until round 10 and just see what happens. <laughs> It'd be tough. I want to say because you, you, the tone of your voice when you read off Lucas Giolito at 65. Oh, yeah, I hate it. I just feel like it's safe I to, it. I, I want to point out this. In 21 starts with Chicago before yeah. he got traded. Yeah, he was he actually a, like a 3 4 year A or something. He had a 379 ERA with yeah, okay. a 26% strikeout rate, yeah. a 1.22 whip, yeah. a 12.3% swinging strike rate. And a 29% CSW. Yeah. Then he got traded across the country while going through a divorce and his season fell Mm -hmm. apart. I think that sometimes off field context does actually matter and we don't want to weigh it in too much, but 21 starts of being fine. I mean, there's nothing great about a three, eight ERA with a 26% strikeout rate and a one, two whip, but it's not terrible. It's fine. And we've seen him be better than that before. Yeah. So I think it's understanding the human side of uprooting your life while your life is now nah, these are you know, robots unraveling in other ways. And then so I think like, OK, let's let's reset. Let's give him the ability to kind of like feel comfortable and put his off field, not put his off field issues behind him, but maybe get a little bit more stability in that regard. And then moving to an organization that we've now seen pretty firmly in many, many different ways in the offseason is super committed to changing their pitch development throughout the entire organization. With the hiring of Andrew Bailey and the hiring of Justin Willard and the hiring of Craig Breslow and the hiring of Kyle Body as a you know advisor, like Kyle Bodie, I, I do that Bode. too. There's a guy I do that. I know that would always die Bode. and be uh, and Body, and Jesse the Body. Um, and uh, but, no, but so, and he has already like he already talked in the off season, like he's done an interview where he talked about like Andrew Bailey and him have already been. Yeah, having deep conversations about like what can he do to fix it. He felt in particular, I had to like blurb this for Roto World, but he felt in particular like it was a mechanical issue and that he had mm-hmm. kind of like lost his feel on the not only on the mound, but he had lost his rhythm and he had lost his feel for the pitches. So for me, it's like this screams pitcher in need of a fresh start yeah. in an organization willing to give it to him 
with a team will it, that has a clear plan of how to get the most out of him. And I think 65th isn't even ranking him as like a, oh, we're going to get like total bounce back. No, no, I, I it's like, yeah, it's like, no, getting, I, I am being too harsh on this. And actually, yeah. you know, something that you've been harping on a lot is new scenery for guys. It's kind of funny that like Chris Sale leaves Boston and you're excited. Then guy joins Boston and you're excited. But uh, yeah. no, I'm joking. I understand. I, 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 it's both. Both of it is justify. I'm just finding yeah. the. Uh, and I, the I guess I would have been. Ex- I would have been excited for Chris, Chris Sale to joining. work yeah. with these new guys too. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, the counterpoint I have, and I probably will actually have Julian around here because yeah, this is the upside thing. Let's just see how it is and go from there. Right. That's why I talk about it all the time. I think I'm being more aggressive because I think the other ones underneath I'm like super excited about. And uh, yeah. it might actually be that I have Giolito around here too, that I just have some of those guys in those fifties that I'm like, no, I'll take Giolito as the upside guy instead. Uh, like I'll have him. Honestly, I'll have Giolito above Hunter green, I think um, because I just don't trust that Hunter green is going to just, it's, he's just going to drive me up the wall. Um, but uh, with Giolito, it's two seasons of a worse four seamer. Um, that is very detrimental for him. He needs to really be at 94, 95. And I remember distinctly writing the SP roundups when he was in Chicago. And he had that like, that's why I said 3-4, he raised at 3-7. I mean, 3-8 at 122 is like, okay, and that's the good part of it. And then they also say like, your season is defined by, you know, you're going to have the good times, you're going to have the bad times and about the middle starts and stuff. And uh, seeing that as kind of like, you need to be better in those good moments. Um, but, what I am going to really go for is when he was still doing that, it felt strange. I like, I was always, I just, when I was doing the list, I never really moved you leader from like the forties. Cause I thought like, it's fine, I guess. Like I don't really have anything else, any analysis to give you. I don't really like his fastball, but it's kind of just working. And with the changeups there, I guess like it never felt, Oh cool. I understand this, this is working. Cause of like this, or it's not like that. And given night, it's like, Oh, okay. I guess tonight's that night. And I, I it didn't really inspire confidence at the time, which is why I think I'm more inclined to see the decline and saying like, yeah, okay, kind of makes sense to me. And the fastball being much worse and not looking like its old self. Now, your point, I did not know about the divorce, which absolutely, I love hearing Alex think fast. I hate hearing that people have divorces, but that you're talking about the mental part of the game. I think that's a very important context. Um, and also, of course, yeah, going to to Boston can be a positive, can be a negative because you do not want to pitch in Fenway. Um, and that's that's a big deal. Hopefully, they won't make him pitch on Boston Marathon Day either. Um, which of course we're all going to joke until the end of time, forever. Um, yeah. But I, uh, but yeah, I, I I am more inclined to jump in and say, look, maybe they do a mechanical fix to get his fastball back to ninety four, ninety five, because it is such an extreme VAA. He doesn't get enough IVB on it that like it just doesn't excel as we want it to, and it's super reliant on that being good enough to then mask the changeup well. So I, uh, I'm excited for it. I'm curious about it. Um, and I should not have scoffed as much as I did at Giolito at 65, but I think it's just relative to Crawford, Keller and Sanchez. I was like, ah, yeah, those guys. sure. That's all. Okay. 71. What we got here? 71 through 80. Uh, we got Brandon fought, right? He exists. Eduardo Rodriguez also exists. Uh, Severino, Jameson Tyone, Emmett Sheehan, Taj Bradley, Nick Lodolo, Edward Cabrera, John Gray, and Marcus Stroman. Does the quote that you sent me today uh, scare you more about Emmett Sheehan as they're saying that they're fighting for the sixth spot or the the fifth spot or sixth spot, actually, and that uh, they won't really need Emmett Sheehan a whole lot early on? So it actually makes me more confident in Sheehan because 
the way I read it, at least, is Sheehan and Gavin Stone are fighting for the sixth spot in the rotation. But because the expectation is that Walker Bueller will not start the year in the rotation, that whoever wins the sixth spot is really winning the fifth spot because Bueller isn't going to start the year in the rotation and may, the last time Dave Roberts spoke, may miss a couple weeks, a month, depending on how he looks in the spring. So I look at the rest of the rotation in Glass now and James Paxton. Yamamoto. Obviously, Miller. right. But I'm talking about like Glass now, um, Paxton, Bueller. And I'm like, okay, if Sheehan has a month runway, because I think you and I at least are both in agreement that like if the battle is between Sheehan and Gavin Stone, it's not going to be should win that battle. Yeah. So if Sheehan has a month runway and then Bueller technically comes back. But then there's always the possibility that like one of those other guys who has battled injuries will battle injuries again, and then Sheehan remains in the rotation. So I now feel like I'm not taking the Dodgers' sixth starter here, but I'm taking the Dodgers' fifth starter, who may weirdly remain in the rotation if injuries bite, uh, you know, rear their head. And if not, the Dodgers are one of those teams that routinely has used their sixth starter throughout the year. So now, again, we're talking about, you know, Emmett Sheehan 75th, where, like, are my innings concerns with Emmett Sheehan any different than my innings concerns with Edward Cabrera, who you and I both like, but we we also acknowledge that, like, there are a lot of people who say, hey, he'd be great in a multi-inning relief role. And oh, like, stop those people. Those people are stupid. So maybe, <laughs> maybe he... No, maybe I'm sure they have good reasons or, for that. Or yeah. Taj Bradley, where it's like... Right. I don't know. Is he yeah. going to be in the rotation? I have, I have no idea. So this, is a, or, this is a very interesting um, smattering uh, because you have like Brandon Fought, Eduardo Rodriguez, Jameson Tyone, who's going to be really hard for me to rank. Um, this is the this is the part where I go like you can be in the 50s and you can be in like the 80s because of what tier I put you in, you know, and uh, with Fought, I, I think I'm believing a little bit more in that four seamer um, that he just did not get it upstairs enough. While the sweeper is elite and sometimes the changeup shows up. Um, for uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, like that's a good defense and a winning ball club. And like there's a Toby, if not a Holly. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Like that's actually not so bad. Luis Severino, ceiling is there. We all know he wants to get back to his apparently tipping. And I mean, he did lose a lot of IVB on that four seamer. Right. And there's probably sticky but, stuff involved with that. Um, maybe. But, and he's already yeah, but, at driveline this offseason. Yeah. You know, right. They, you know, they know he lost the IVB. Oh, absolutely. So. Um, I own, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going quickly because my gosh, we're going a bit long on this. I apologize. We're going to, uh, and Tyone, uh, I talked to him obviously re, uh, not re listen or watch that interview, um, because my gosh, it is awesome. And he gave us so many amazing insights about his development, what he's working on. That's and why I have, this think, is high yeah. for me. And maybe, yeah, I'm no, I would think higher, so too. I, I actually, that. I was like, whoa, that. I was like, right. Also, yeah, he should be solid. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really tough. And Emmett Sheehan, come to think of it, yeah, I totally misread that tweet. Um, because I it felt like there was a, another pitcher that I was forgetting about all of a sudden that like they were on the outskirts. And Emmett Sheehan gained that runway is great. Um, early decision too. Like you're going to get those opportunities. Right. Uh, to see Emmett Sheehan, does he have it? How is he looking? And yeah, Paxton or uh, Paxton's going to be hurt before Bueller comes back. We know this. We've already talked about this as like that is what their plan is. You slow down Bueller and you just have Paxton in the, in the beginning instead. 
So I dig that. Taj Bradley is a very interesting one because it's like in a really good four seamer, but his command is so bad. And yeah, I have him like right next to Hunter Green, essentially. Um, it's so weird. And the Dolo's here too. Um, I actually like Lodolo more than Green. Um, I just feel like he's a little bit more stable in what he does. Okay. But there's like more ceiling for him to be a command guy that survives more, but uh, stupid Reds. Uh, John Gray, I have no faith in. Um, I think it's he, he breaks the Wasker Noah rule to me. Um, and Strowman's fine. Yeah, he's your Toby. Uh, so I, I, I get all this to say for John Gray. Get out of here. It's dumb. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and talk to me about John Gray. What's your thought process there? I, you know, I, I put a mark next to him right now just to be like, I'll, I'll dig back in oh, on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that like I had him in AL tout last year. And mm-hmm. obviously it's one of those leagues where like you're holding on for dear life to starting pitchers who are healthy because it, they just don't come around a lot. Um, and he battled injuries at the end of the year, but you know, there was enough of the year where he wasn't really missing bats, but was just kind of like solid unspectacular. I mean, he, for, for a long stretch had like a high threes, like a three, eight ERA three, seven ERA. Um, he had a really good first half of the year. Um, he wasn't really giving up a lot of hard contact. He wasn't striking out a lot of batters, but good offense behind him in a good pitcher's park, and it was working. Um, and I think he battled injuries through the second half of the year, which I think, in my estimation, having not really dug deep into him as much as maybe I should in this offseason, but I think that the struggles in the second half were related to him being kind of like in and out of starts and on and off the IL with various injuries. I think there was a blister mixed in the, mixed in there as well. Sure. Um, but like if I'm getting a low four ERA pitcher on the team that just won the World Series in a pitcher's park, um, then it's kind of like a little bit of like the reasoning behind Marcus Stroman, which is like the last two years in Texas have been fine. Like nothing really wrong with it. The the innings pitched are like maybe I'm getting 140 to 150. Um, but it just felt like a pick where I was like, you know what? Like there's something useful in deeper formats here. Like 15 team sure. leagues, basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm doing my best to try and like piece together my actual top 100, and I can't this, do this now. This like is, from here. Uh, from yeah, here on now, you'll just like you're gonna read off the last twenty we have on this list. It's all just like, uh, just shoulder shrug emoji. Like, well, I, I think ha- it, I actually disagree with that with some of these guys, and we're gonna talk about those after this break. So, eighty one in particular, I've actually warmed up to, if you can believe this. Um, we are now at Eric Samolsky's top one hundred at eighty one. We have twenty more to go. And I hope you enjoy these longer podcasts because I certainly have Eric spending so much time with me. This is the stuff that I never got with Fast. Okay. Uh, Christian Javier is 81. And I'm going to return to that one. But first, it's 82 at Chris Paddock. 83 is John Means. Max Scherzer, 84. Clayton Kershaw, 85. Reese Olsen, 86. 87 is Tyler Wells. Garrett Whitlock. Michael Walker and Trevor Rogers. Christian Javier. Talk to me about that one. Um, He wasn't good last year. Uh, no, just important to important to note that. Yeah, um, really good in 2022 in his first year as a starter. Pretty bad in 2023 in his second year as a starter. So I think that 
there's like this context of like, oh, he's always been really good. And last year was a bad year. It's like, well, he's only actually been a full-time starter for two years. One year was really good. One year was really bad. So sure. we're, we're, we kind yeah. of have to split that difference in, in figuring out just what type of caliber starting pitcher he was. The velocity was down over a mile per hour last year. Um, the pit, the PLV rates on him are, are, are solid. They're fine. Um, 127 whip, not that good. Uh, the walk rate is super high, so 14% K minus walk rate. I don't like um, 11% swing and strike rate or 11.4. So he's not really missing bats. 26.8% CSW. Uh, that poor ERA was backed up by a 476 Sierra. So it was like fully earned. Yeah, sure, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. We've also talked about like my fear that in the summer when Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers maybe make their return to the rotation. I think with McCullers, you never really know what's yeah, going to happen. Good but there. if they maybe come back, because theoretically based on their injuries, they should be back in the rotation. Yeah, by Luis Garcia had Tommy John around like May. So, yeah. so I, like July. I could, I could just miss the entire year too. You could, never really you know could. with Tommy John. But I just feel like, Javier has been somebody who's been really good as a multi-inning reliever. And it would not surprise me if he struggled out of the gate again, if the Astros just felt like that was where he's better suited. Mm. Um, I don't hate the arsenal, but I don't love the arsenal. Um, I know that he doesn't give up a lot of hard contact. I know the ICR rates for him are, are strong, um, I, I don't know. I just, I, there's nothing about his mix and how he pitches and how he attacks hitters that like really excites me. The slider, oh, the, slider so the slider, the slider didn't feel really good. Yeah. But the, okay. So the four seamer, yes, four seamer is yeah. solid. But to me, there's like the best thing that he threw last year to complement that was a changeup that he barely throws. Uh, so, okay, right. So this is the big, this is the really it to me is you're absolutely right. Christian Javier deserved to not do well in 2023. The big difference wasn't even the fastball declining in velocity. Like it still performed pretty much the same. Uh, there were times that he lost it and it was really annoying. Like, well, you, you love uh, the IVB. Uh, the uh, yeah, I mean, of course, the VA is great too. Like, it, it's a really good pitch. Um, the Christian Javier slider could not get strikes all of a sudden, mm-hmm. and that changed everything for him. That was a pitch that got a lot more strikes in 2022, yes. And because of that, all of a sudden, he's able to do more with the fastball, and then they can't just sit on that slider, keeping them honest. Fell a ton last year, and I can't tell you how many roundups I wrote being like, Javier, please, your fastball's still so good. And the slider is gone. When is he going to come back? I don't know. I so, remember distinctly seeing a slider all of a sudden show up again, and then his fastball was bad that game. So isn't this, like, this the, the worst thing ever? Isn't this the Oscar Yanoa rule? No, 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 no. That's the reverse of it. I generally, I, I can believe a slider strike rate returning more so than all of a sudden a guy having a great fastball after having a horrible one. Right. Okay. So Oscar Yanoa rule is specifically about like one good secondary pitch and nothing sure. else. So, you, but you're okay. So, your upside is he's a two pitch pitcher. Oh yeah, my the upside is twenty twenty two. But but even that, he was a two pitch pitcher. Yeah. So what I'm I, saying is the the wiggle room for him 
is minimal. Oh, right? I, oh look, I'm agreeing with you that it's that it isn't necessarily a, it's not a lock that he's going to return at all yeah. or anything like that. My point is the difference of a guy like Javier and some other like maybe what ifs like Hunter mm-hmm. Green, for example, to me, Hunter Green just has too much to fix when it comes to like you have to command your fastball better. You have to essentially not be in that park. You, uh, you know, the four seamer actually is worse with Hunter Green than it is Christian Javier, believe it or not. And I, I just think there's too much that I need to ask of him. For Christian Javier, all I need for him to actually become a beneficial, not just a beneficial, but like a top 30 starter next year is, hey, raise your slider to find the zone more often like it did in 2022. That's my argument here. I'm not saying that he's going to be exactly the same results of 2022. No, because that's like a top 10 pitcher. But what I I do believe is like that is a uh, that is a good chance to make when he's not going inside the top 40 starters that you can see early. Hey, is the slider still gone and terrible? And is the fastball getting worse or is it still at its level? I uh, and then we can just be like, all right, and move do on. You think it, I would, I would you rather think just. I think there's a more tangible upside to chase with Javier than others. Sure. Do you think it's just the zone? Because it also it also dropped seven percent swing strike rate. Yeah, he could not command this thing. So that's like, so you think it was that, command that led to the lack of like swings and misses. He's just not getting strikes in and out of the zone, you know. Okay. Uh so I don't know. I figure like the Astros, but yo, dude, <laughs> let's figure that out. I would say uh, I, and there's I hear what we said about like the yeah. spin rate coming back for the playoffs for Christian Javier sure. for like a game or two, and we're like, hmm. That's kind of weird, Astros, but, you know. Uh, I, I hear know. you. I guess I would say I worry in general about a guy who throws two pitches 88% of the time and has shown shown a struggle to command one of those pitches. In that, like, Yeah, I mean, that's a if, good, important variable because then you'd be talking about Spencer Strider. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, and the pitches are not that elite. Um, I just think that he overperformed in 2022 and maybe he underperformed yeah, no, in 2023 and maybe the round. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but yeah, at the, to me, it's like, all right, I'm going to circle him as absolutely. I'm drafting him at the end of my drafts. If he's there, like sure. what the heck, man, this is a, this is the, the tangible ceiling is there and it feels like less of a hipster who I won't you know, be able to understand him faster than iris because it's just like yeah slider coming back is there like a thing to get strikes that's not the four seamer that is cool and i hope he can get that um moving on to the others here chris paddock is a little bit more shaky slightly just in louis varland who was in the other one because of the signing or the trade with anthony descafani today yes. yeah i don't really think it's actually that ridiculous but maybe my concern is there's a lot of there are enough prospect people on twitter who know the value of the prospects the Twins got back that have suggested this is the precursor to a bigger move. Oh, yeah, right. They were saying that it's like the Dylan Cease move. The Dylan Cease, the Corbin Burns, whatever, Shane Bieber, who who knows? Um, right now, I think that, like, it would... I, I mean, I personally think Paddock is probably in, and it might be Varland battling Di Sclafani, but I also think... There's a lot of twins. I put that out on Twitter and there were twins people who wrote back to me and said, basically, the fr- the front office in Minnesota, quote unquote, uh, likes to establish a floor before going big fish hunting. So uh, they could be trying to get a better pitcher yet. So like 
raise the floor, make sure they have six good starters, see if you can package for somebody else. And maybe Varland is in that package that oh, goes man. somewhere Don't else. Don't give up Varland. Varland has like a, a, a well above average extension, elite VAA. There was like 94, 95 on that four seamer. Like, a solid slider that he commands really well. I mean, I'm just, oh, don't, don't do this. Oh, I'm, I'm such a big Varlin fan. I'm, I'm bigger on him than I am Paddock. I just don't think Paddock's surprising to me. I wish I had this data in 2019 because, I mean, did we talk about this? I feel like Paddock's pitch was the four seamer back then. There was someone I was talking to that was saying like, no, it was all about the bulk and change. I'm like, no, no, no. He overwhelmed with a heater. Yeah, and it was the I, heater, and the change yeah. was solid. And everybody kept being like, "Oh, why doesn't he throw? If he only throws the curveball more." Yeah, but the, the curveball was just really, really badly graded yes. and everything. And we were hoping he was fixing it, and not really. And uh, he lost that four seamer, and we we're hoping it kind of came back. But honestly, the Paddock's four seamer shape still isn't good enough. And it's like, oh, cool to me. It's like Varland all day. Um, but I, I, um, I ranked I, I Paddock. Don't, I don't know. I ranked Paddock higher than Varland just because. They Varwin looked good out of the bullpen last year, and my thought was that Paddock would get the first chance. Um, I, get that. I do, and and Varwin would be out of the bullpen, and they could make a, sw- a switch later. But yeah, yeah, I like Varwin as a pitcher. To be fair, to be fair, Paddock also looked good out of the bullpen. True. Uh, yes. So, and we have seen Varwin start already. And Varwin, man, Varwin last year got so shafted because. He was up against the worst opponent, like the toughest schedule. And he finally got one start against a good offense or like a, a weak offense. It was the Tigers. And he just didn't do well because like he was so battered. And then like, oh, you're not good enough. Clearly. All right, let's move on. I'm like, no, you're finally like seeing the light and you get out of it. Uh, also, high lock on the right, uh, right-handers improved for Varland's forcing last year. And it's like, yeah, that's good stuff. Like near seven feet extension. Oh, 1.5 VAA adjusted. Ah, man. Marlon's good, y'all. Marlon's really good. Okay. Um, This is going to be the longest podcast ever. Uh, You have Scherzer and Kershaw in here, which is hilarious because we were talking about, it's like, what do we do with them? Like, I don't know, man. It's at that point of stashes because you also have like Reese Olsen here. It's like, yeah, Reese Olsen's on that rotation, probably. Uh, Tyler Wells is down here. And we don't really know what the Orioles are going to be doing. They should be adding someone. Like, go get Ryu or something, right? Yeah, uh, this uh, this is my like. I would love Tyler Wells to be in the rotation. I I like Tyler Wells. I don't necessarily n- know that I feel confident that he is in the rotation, which is also why I kind of have Garrett Whitlock down here. As like as of right now, Garrett Whitlock is battling Mike uh, Tanner right. Houck for the final spot. Right. Sure. Is he in the rotation? I don't know. I like him if he is. But Michael Walker is in the rotation, and he has a filthy changeup. <laughs> yeah, I. I thought about that where like I had initially had Waka like a little bit closer to like where I have Lugo because it's kind of the I same. I actually have Waka above Lugo. Do you? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the same um, thought process. And I think that I, I admittedly, I think I just like spaced. I just well, I don't know. Like, I mean, Waka 130 innings or so, and is that yeah? But he's been he's been much? really good since the second half of 2021, where Tampa kind of changed some things. The Red Sox built off of that. He continued going like super changeup heavy with the Padres, um, and I don't. I think I just was kind of like, 
I don't know that there's anything else there. And so it's like a poor strikeout rate, but maybe solid ratios. I think I maybe got scared off by the projections, which are all terrible for him. Um, and I don't, I don't really know, know why. <laughs> um, well, uh, there's also number 90, which is Trevor Rogers, who we haven't talked about like at all, but we just don't know what exactly. it is. I, so. I can't give up on his rookie year. Like knowing yeah. that that is still somewhere in there and he's only 26 years old. And I, yeah. I just can't say that. I don't blame it. you. At and I think as of right now, he has a rotation spot. I mean, right. You know, it's not locked in. He's got to earn it in spring, but I think he sure. has the outside chance for it. Now I'm, I'm trying to right now, um, as we're nearing the two hour mark, I think to myself, 91 through 100, who is missing? I really do not know thought to myself there hasn't been a single prospect and i imagine ricky tiedemann has to be here just just based on how you've talked about him maybe ricky tiedemann maybe alc manoa is in here too um clark schmidt hasn't been mentioned um uh blake snell just kidding blake snell wasn't there. <laughs> uh but i'm very curious to see who the last ones are here and oh well there is louis varland i could have sworn he had louis varland before Nope. Uh, no, you didn't. It was Luis Severino, and I'm just being really dumb. Uh, you didn't have him twice. Okay. Uh, so there's Louis Varland. Um, and at 92, oh, Sean Manaya, of course. Reed Detmers, how did I forget? Uh, sorry, 92 is Manaya, 91 was Varland. 93, Nick Martinez. Uh, 94, my boy Reed Detmers. Uh, 95, Clark Schmidt. Hey, I got that one. Lance Lynn at 96, Frankie Montes, 97, Andrew Heaney, 98. 99 is Andrew Abbott and Jack Flaherty is 100. And I see at 101 and 102 are Ricky Tiedemann and Graham Ashcraft on the side. As in like, maybe I was going to rank them, but yeah. then I, didn't. I had, I mean, I had Ashcraft earlier on just because like when I was going through pictures in my head, as I was like thinking of the guys at the end, I, I'm just yeah. not a, a fan. He's not going to be near my top 100. Um, that I will admit that like, I, I haven't really like I hadn't really put enough prospects on at the back here. Like I think if I was drafting, I would be taking guys like Ricky Tiedemann or like actually up right now, like off the top of my head, like I don't know why I don't have Aaron Ashby in my top 100. I've talked enough mm. about Aaron Ashby that like yeah. that's a name that should be on here and I'm going to just pencil him down. So like there are some things like that where I think I towards the back half of the of like these last 20 picks I was like looking at like not like lists but I was like looking at pitchers and trying to make sure I hadn't like missed a name and I think it took me away from some of the prospects and you know the Aaron Ashby's and and stuff of the world that like oh my god Nick like how did I not rank Chase Silseth in my top 100 <laughs> I talked about him so many times with you so like there are some guys like that that I think before I publish this, like those guys will get in this back 20 somewhere. Sure. Uh, and you don't Horton. want Tyler McGill. I don't know that he, uh, we talked about, you know, I, I, shared I, I saw my, that tweet has a splitter then, now, you know, Kyle um, Harrison, um, Kyle Harrison probably should be on here. I'm not super high on him. So I I'm not either. I didn't I'm just think about him, but yeah, one Kyle, that I imagine for sure. Kyle Harrison, meant- uh, maybe Kate Horton, Kate Horton is um, the other another major prospect there, right? So uh, those are guys who will probably I think they'll have to be in here before I 
finalize this. Sure. Um, and I mean, I don't know what my top 100 is. Uh, what I do know generally from these lists that I make, there's that there is a point that I need to really decide about. Like, you are a Toby, and I am not willing to chase you because I feel like I might yeah. as well just see how spring pans out. For sure. Which is what normally happens with like Ricky Tiedemann's rarely like a hundred for me. It would be around 80 or something because normally I find that cliff around there. Yeah. Now, as I go through these, I'm not really, it, there is more depth than ever. It's really remarkable. Um, and it, it it's my favorite, but also it's so frustrating because I just can't decide. I, uh, but I do see a lot of these guys in 91 to, 9, uh, to 100 that I feel like are just on my do not draft in 12 teamers yeah. because I can tell that they are past the point that I'm just going to be going for, right? Like your Sean Mania to me, your Nick Martinez, probably your Reed Detmers, guys. I know, trust me, I know how much I've been in on him, but the uh, the four seamer to me just is not good enough. Um, and I, I and also said, I said that I wanted to be in on Frankie Montas, but wasn't because of where he went. And I don't know, like I should have, I probably would have Harrison Ashby, those guys ahead of yeah. Montas. Uh, yeah, right. Since I just can't draft anyone in Cincinnati. Andrew Abbott is kind of interesting. Don't get me wrong. If he does get the four seamer working but, and everything, but it's just, I can't do it. Uh, right. Jack Flaherty, that's a fun one. No way. Uh, <laughs> I also think, like, as I'm looking at this too, it's like Reese Olsen doesn't really have. He doesn't have a spot. He doesn't have. I mean, even the roster resource has him with the spot. He has as likely to have a spot as Chase Silseth, Aaron Ashby, Ricky Tiedemann. So, right. like, I mean, we like Reese Olsen I, more than I think Silseth, though. Now, let's say they both have a spot. Yeah, but I, I like. I think I like Ashby more than mm. Olsen. Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. So then I was like. Okay, so Ashby jumps right into like, you know, do I like him as much as Means? Like, right. maybe. I mean, they both have yeah, similar Means health concerns. A mediocre heater. Yeah, and, and Means uh, was not really good, good last year. Like, it's yeah, Means is not really. That's the Toby line for me, absolutely. Right, and that's also the Paddock thing. Of like, I ranked Paddock because I was like, eh, why not? He's in the rotation, but like, right, maybe is not. he? And yeah. is that right. worth it? Like, with the guys like. Ashby Tiedemann, like I would maybe just rather go there. Yeah. Um, this is an awesome rank, uh, Eric. And it's this is what I tell everybody is I know how stressful it is making a top 100. Let me tell you. Um, I make them every week. And uh, the preseason one is so hard that I update it multiple times. I don't just put it, I put it out in October. I can already tell you that I've screwed up in many ways changing it and making it updated in February. And then we're going to have one in the beginning of March. Then we're going to have one in the middle of March. And then you're going to have one at the end of March. And that's going to be my final one that Monday before. Actually, it's going to be, I believe, the Thursday before, like the week before the season starts, because I want to make sure you guys have it for draft weekend. But uh, it's not easy to do. The important thing is that you got one done that you can scrutinize. Alex Fast would make me do this podcast in March. Because it was too soon. It was he needed to spend an hour on every guy because he couldn't possibly be wrong or something on any of these guys. And it's you know what? Don't do that. Right. Um, and that's just you're just gonna drive yourself absolutely mad. I mean, talk to Alex. Uh so uh I'm we proud were joking. Of you. I would have I would have kept tinkering and I will oh, I continue know. to. Um but this is so the I, thing, I, is like this isn't your final final. That's right. my point. 
And that's great that we talked about it today. It helped me too, um, just get a sense of a lot of these things and like how I'm going to be framing mine. I'm excited to really jump into it. I know it's like, it's like, Nick, you're doing this in a week. I'm like, I, I understand. I've already written all the things. I just need to now like structure the order. <laughs> right. And I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm really excited to do that. And Eric, we got through it, man. We did it. Two hours. We did again. 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 We're not going to, guys, do not get used to this. All right. We're going to, what the plan is, is to have two podcasts a week starting next week that are going to be, um, separate in twenties, one through 20, 21 through 40, pretty much going through the massive chunk of, uh, of this. I believe it's one through 20. Maybe it's actually one through 10. Um, no, we won't have time for that. We, we, we can't possibly do that. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, we're doing them in twenties, uh, and you get two a week, uh, for a bit now. So, Look forward to that. And uh, I am Nick Pollock, the lion. I am Eric Smolsky, the pelican. And I'm going to go yell at Eric some more. Can't wait.